From the book of James is our text, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and verse 12. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I don't know whether your Bible has it or not, but mine has the word beside trials, temptations, because the word for trials and testing and temptation is the same word. It's the same idea. So consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various testings, temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who perseveres under testing. For once he has been approved, underline, unapproved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We're all born with certain drives and desires the, the uh, King James word is often lusts. That's a good word. It means drive or desire. We're all born with these drives, God-given drives. They're a part of our creation. God created us in His image and gave us these various drives. There is the worship drive. Did you know that you had an inborn desire to worship God? Cain and Abel brought sacrifices to God before the record even told them to because they had this inborn drive to worship God. There is the godlike drive, the desire to be like God. It's as old as Eve. And the tempter came to Eve and said, you want to be like God? She said, I sure do. Where'd she get that desire to be godlike? She got it from God. There is the success drive. Some people want to be successful. I want to be the greatest Christian I can possibly be. I'm burning up with that desire, that drive. There is the revenge drive. Did you know you can never be totally neutral? to the people who hurt you. God wants you to get even. He wants you to get revenge. He just wants you to get revenge His way. I heard about a staff member, he said that he had kids that played on his neighbor's yard and two little ladies, unmarried ladies, they didn't want kids playing on their yard. They'd fuss at them and so he got back at her. He got revenge. They made a big cake. They took it over to this lady's house after she'd gotten on the, on the kids one night and they brought her this cake and they got even with her. They got revenge. They just got revenge God's way. Now there are all kinds of these drives. Just think of the desires that you have in your own heart. We don't have time to talk about all of them. or just, but We'll just have time to talk about one of them as, as a matter of fact. But I want you to see that we all have these God-given drives. Now this is what temptation is. Temptation is an inducement for you and me to satisfy and express a God-given desire in a God-forbidden way. I need to say that again. Temptation is the inducement 
to satisfy or to express a God-given drive in a God-forbidden way, an illegitimate, a, a, a legitimate desire expressed or satisfied in an illegitimate way. That's what temptation is. But it is also an opportunity for us to express a God-given drive in a God-like way. Temptation is an occasion or an opportunity for us to express or satisfy a God-given drive in a God-like way. That's why James said, when you're tested, have a party. I mean, whoop it up. Count it all joy. When was the last time you got on your phone after you, you were going through some testing or some trial? You got on your phone. You said, everybody, come on over. We're going to have a party. We're going to hoop it up and have a great time. And they said, what's the occasion? You said, well, I'm going through a trial, a test, a temptation. It is the occasion for us to express this God-given drive in a way that pleases Him. Now, I used to think, I grew up with a religious background that taught that all of the Bible was a no. I mean, you could just write one big no across the Bible. And my religious background was that everything was no. And so what you did on Sunday was you come to church so that the preacher could tell you what you weren't supposed to do the next week, what you're doing wrong. I have come to discover that the all of the Bible is yes that God has so made us in his own image and he has given us these drives, these desires and a wonderful opportunity to express them in a God-given way. So every trial, every test is an opportunity to express this like God wants it expressed. Now I want to talk about this morning what I believe to be the basic drive of mankind. It is the approval drive. The approval drive. The desire to be accepted, it's the taproot of the soul. The desire to be accepted, to be wanted, to be liked, to be honored, to be approved. Now, did you know God has this drive? Did you know that God has the drive to be approved, to be accepted? If you don't believe that, you just look at how many times the word honor, approve, or praise, or magnify is related to God. The word approve means to respect on the basis of worth. It means to praise Him, to honor Him. Do you think God likes that? You can count on it. He loves it. That's why this service is so exciting this morning because we've lifted up praise to God and He dwells in the midst. He dwells in the praise of His people. When I say to God, I like you, I like the way you do, and this is why I like you. I'm on your side. I approve you. I praise you. God gets all excited. He has this desire for our approval, our praise, our honor, our magnifying him so that God just gets all excited with it. Now, Baptists don't know too much about praising the Lord. Now, we kind of curl up our lips at the charismatics, but let me tell you something, folks. They look like they, at least they look like they enjoy what they're doing. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes some of the congregations I preach to, it looks more like they are enduring what they're doing rather than enjoying it, and there's a big difference. 
Now, it's not, you know, it's got to be more than just saying it with your mouth. That's not praising God. Uh, he said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You ever been kissed by somebody when they, and, and while they were kissing you, you knew they were thinking about somebody else? I just know that's happened to me, you know. And uh, while, while I've been kissed, you know, you, you, you've been kissed by somebody and you know while that person's kissing you, they're thinking about something else or somebody else. You, you didn't appreciate that too much, did you? Now, praising God is just loving on God. And when you're loving on God and you're honoring Him and approving Him and you're thinking about your mind is a mile away, He doesn't appreciate that much. So it's, it's, it's got to come from the heart. Approving God, praising Him. He has the God, the, the, the drive to be approved. Jesus had that. He desired the approval, the acceptance of man. And that's what made His suffering so awesome is that here was this man who had this burning desire to be accepted and to be loved and to be approved, and he was rejected of men. But the thing that Jesus did was that he got satisfaction for his approval drive in the Father. And he said on occasion, he said, glorify thou me with the glory you gave, you, 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 you gave me before the world was. And he just walked through life and you say, Father, how am I doing? And God say, well done, my son. You're doing a good job. And Jesus would be motivated to go on. And he said on, on many occasions, he said, I do only that which pleases the Father. For he got his approval drive, satisfied in God. Now we come down to the person that's most important to you. You have that drive. That, that God-given desire for approval. It's the taproot of the soul. Now, you don't have to be ashamed of that. You were born with it. Everybody has it who is created in the image of God, the desire to be approved and to be accepted. And, and, and I watch this. When a little child is born, he has that drive to be approved. Now, where is he going to get that drive satisfied? I mean, he's one to five. I want to speak to parents. Listen to me carefully. When that little child comes into the world, he has that God-given drive to be approved, to be accepted. Where does he go to get satisfaction for that drive? He goes to his parents. He doesn't know God yet. He's not old enough to know God yet. So he looks to his parents for approval and acceptance. And a father who says to his little boy, get out from in front of the television so I can watch the 5.30 news, that's not approval. Here's this little boy that comes in one day. He says, Daddy, did you see that touchdown I made in Little League football today? He said, yeah, I saw it, but you dropped that pass in the third quarter. Now, come on, son, let's go outside. We're going to learn how to catch some passes. That's important. That's not approval. Or here's a little girl who comes in to a mother and she says, Mother, look here, I made 90 on this test today. Aren't you proud of me? She says, that's pretty good, but you can make 95. That's not approval. Now this child who has this God-given drive, he looks to his parents and they're too busy for him. And so this, this taproot, if you can just imagine a tree's taproot, that taproot goes down and it's seeking sustenance, seeking satisfaction for that drive. And what
goes and finds somewhere else for it to be approved. And he gets with this crowd, and that crowd says, hey, we like you. If you'll do the way we do, we'll like you better. And so he does. And we throw up our hands in frustration over it. And I'm convinced that one reason why some men work every day of their life and play golf and fish the rest of the time they're off is because they never get approval at home. And I wonder how many women, how many wives are yearning just for a word of acceptance from their busy husbands. Now let me say a word to this church. There are some people who have said that they get more acceptance and more approval in some sleazy bar than they do in the church. One morning about three years ago, a girl came into my office she grew up here in town. Her parents ran one of these saloons here in Durant. True story. And, and I didn't, had never met her. Don't even remember her name. Haven't seen her since. She just came in. She'd gone out to Utah or California or somewhere out there and had gotten saved. And she was back in town for a visit. And she came by the church just to see, meet the preacher, you know, and tell me how excited she was in her newfound faith. And while she was there, I asked her, I said, how can we reach out to the people like your mother and daddy, those people that go to those sleazy saloons? She said, let me tell you something about that. She said, people don't go to the bar to drink. She said, 99 out of 100 people go to those saloons, don't go there to drink. I said, well, what do they go there for? She said, they go there to get to find somebody who accepts them as they are. And she said, they don't drink. They just sit around and talk to one another because they find somebody to satisfy this approval drive, to accept them, to love them. And I want to say two or three things, and now watch carefully. If I seek to satisfy, get my approval drive satisfied in God, I'm going to do the things that God approves. Now that makes sense. That's pretty profound, that's pretty simple. If I'm going to get my approval drive satisfied in God, I'm going to do the things that pleases God. If I get my approval drive satisfied by somebody else, I'm going to do the things they approve. Now watch this carefully. If I'm, if I'm going to get my approval drive satisfied by the person or the persons that I deem most important. Now you can pretend all you want to pretend. You can make up all you want to make up. Let me tell you something. If you're seeking the approval of God, God is most important. But if you're seeking your approval drive satisfied in something or someone else other than God, that means that that person is more important than God. For I'm going to seek to, uh, to do the things that he approves and I'm going to seek the approval of the thing or the person that I deem most important. Now watch this. Let me ask you a question. What, whose approval means more to you than anyone else in the world? Whose acceptance do you covet more than anything else in the world? 
if you covet success in your business world more than anything else in the world, if you covet acceptance by your peers more than anything else in the world, if you covet being approved by something or some other than God, it means that that is the most important to you. And I'm going to get my approval drive satisfied somewhere. And I know some people, I know people, and you do too, who will do anything in the world to get approved. There's some people do anything to get their name in a paper. There's some people do anything to be voted uh, Mr. DHS or Mrs. DHS. There are some people who will do anything in the world in order to be approved by the world. I mean, it's, if you get hungry enough, you'll eat garbage. I mean, it's better to die eating junk food than die eating no food. If I have a desire that's not satisfied, if I have a, a yearning that's not fulfilled, I'm going to do it the wrong way to get it satisfied rather than to have nothing at all. So if I have this desire and I do and you do to be accepted by God, to, 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 to be pleased, to be honored, then I'm going to get that drive satisfied somewhere. Now this is the most important thing I need you to hear. There is no permanent lasting satisfaction anywhere but in God. Nowhere. And here, one measly little weak amen. Kind of quiet in here. There is no permanent lasting satisfaction except in God. Now there is a satisfaction in sin, but it's only temporary. Somebody tells you that sin is not satisfying, it's not telling you the whole truth. But it is only temporary. The only permanent lasting satisfaction in this world is in God. It's the only place. I heard the story about a man who, who was a great piano player. I don't know whether this is a true story or not. It's true whether it happened or not but because it teaches the truth. But this guy came out and he'd been studying on this great master, piano teacher. And he, he came out to play his first group of songs and when he finished they just cheered and applauded and roared. He looked up in the balcony there sat his teacher up there. He was sitting just like this. Just sitting there. So he went off the stage. You know how they do if you've ever been to a concert. They go off somewhere. I don't, I've never figured out where or what they did. They just go off and you sit there a while and they come back in. Bow again. Go over. He went over and he, he started playing. He played his second group of songs. When he finished that group, he... They applauded. He, he tried. He worked harder at it. They applauded. Great. I mean, it was just thunderous. And and when he looked up in the balcony, there his teacher sat, just like this. He left and went off, did his other thing back behind the stage. Came back in, play his third group of songs, and he just put everything he had into it. When he finished, they stood to applaud. And he looked up in the balcony, and his teacher was smiling. Tell you something, folks, you better keep your eyes in the balcony. Because the only place there is permanent, lasting, fulfilling satisfaction to this burning drive is when he smiles. 
Everything else is fickle. You ever been to a ball game where a guy was cheered one inning and booed the next? I mean, you, you, you may be accepted today and liked today and approved, and you, you get that satisfied today, but you may work up, wake up tomorrow and not have it. For the only permanent, lasting satisfaction is in the Father. It's in the Master sitting in the balcony. Now the question is, how do we get this approval from God? How do we get His acceptance? How do we please Him? That's the question. Now that's another sermon. So I'm just going to mention three ways that we, we get His acceptance. Then I'm going to go to the zinger. We get his acceptance first by faithing in him, faithing him. The, the author of the book of Hebrews said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to get his approval. Now, now what does it mean to have faith? It means accepting God's way in everything. So if God says for me to tithe, I tithe and accept that as his way and do it believing he'll provide. If God says for me to witness, I accept that by faith and I begin to witness believing that God will give me the witness, the words to say. It's accepting God's way in everything. Secondly, it is a lifetime of discipleship. When Jesus called people, he said, follow me. Now what does that mean? Well, in a literal sense, it means to join yourself to Christ's cause. But if that were all of it, then, then just when you walk down the aisle, that'd be the end of it. It's much more than that. Jesus was a peripatetic teacher. When he said, follow me, it meant a peripatetic teacher was one who walked around teaching. I mean, he'd go in the marketplace. Aristotle was a peripatetic teacher. He'd just walk around teaching, and he gathered up these little cells of people who followed behind him, and they hung on every word. They listened to everything he said, trying to understand everything he meant and emulate every desire that he had. And so when he said, follow me, if you're a disciple, you would just follow him around trying to find out what he's talking about, trying to learn of him. Now, how can you say you're a disciple? when you don't know one thing about him and are not trying to learn. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a man who follows him around trying to find out what he said and obey it. How do we gain his approval? When I persevere under trials, that's what this text says. It means that when I stay in the midst of trials and don't run and try to find the easy way out, but I accept it as God's way of molding me. Now, how do you know, this is, the, this is the end, how do you know when you're getting God's approval? How do you know when you get God's approval? Well, the text says, you know because you get the crown of life. The crown of life. Now I need to tell you what the crown of life does not mean because you've heard some kind of explanation of it like this. That the crown of life is what you get when you get to heaven. God gets this crown, puts it on your head. You got a lot of stars in it, you know, because you went to Sunday school and gave you quarter. That's not what that means. It means that you are crowned with life. It's like a king. It's the reigning life. When you please Him and you gain His approval, when you do those things that please Him, you are crowned with life. It's the reigning life. Now how many Christians do you know 
two or three hundred, maybe five, six hundred, maybe a thousand. Let me ask you a question. How many of those Christians that you know, do you know wear the crown of life? I mean, they have life by the tail and they're just kind of swinging it around. They are living the reigning life. How many Christians, how many college students do you know that you know has the crown of life? How many Christians do you know in this church that you just know they have the crown of life? They are conquerors. Now this is what James is saying. That in this area and in every area, there are all these drives, now that I mentioned, and more other, but, but in this area, when a man expresses and satisfies this God-given drive in a God-like way and he gets his approval. He has the crown in this area and that means three things. It means he's contented. Blessed is the word makarios in the Greek. It means a man is so blessed that he doesn't have to have anything else to make him happy. He's just blessed on the inside. He has this blessedness that doesn't require anything else to make him happy. He's not looking for anything else. You know anybody who is that happy, that contented? I mean, they're not looking for anything else. I know a lot of folks who are just always looking for something else to make them happy. A new wife, a new house, a new car, a new friend, a new status, a new symbol. They're always looking for something else. The man who has the crown of life needs nothing else. He's happy. He's content. Second, it means that he has assurance. You reckon a king worries? I don't think they do. Now, I don't know any kings. Well, I do, do. I do know some kings. I know a few. Let me tell you something. You'll never see them worry. Why should they worry? Because they have everything they need in life. Has assurance. When you're crowned, you have authority. They said, nobody listens to me. It's because they can't see the crown. Parents say, my kids won't listen to me in the home. I don't have any kind of control. They don't see the crown. For when they see the crown, they see the authority. You ever notice how winners are authorities on everything? I mean, you let a guy win the Olympics, and he becomes an authority on everything. And we listen to him. Bob Lilly gets on television, talks about Black and Decker saws. And I won't go out and buy me a Black & Decker saw. I mean, I, I don't have a bit of use for a Black & Decker saw. He probably doesn't know a thing about it. But when he talks, I listen because, you know, he's a winner. Bob Hope gets on there and he talks about this additive. It's in Texaco gasoline. He's reading it off a cue card. You can see him looking down. I mean, he doesn't even have, he hasn't even memorized it. He's reading that off a cue card. He said, this, you put this in your car. I mean, we'll run straight out to the Texaco station and get Texaco gas because he's an authority on it. You ever notice how a winner has an authority? That's what he's talking about. Now there's a difference between authority and power. The word authority is the word in the Greek, ekousia. It means out from the substance. Out from the substance. And it says that you have something that is commanding. And people listen. Out from the substance of Christ living in your life is this authority that just commands. Don't you wish you had it? 
It's what Jesus had. He had authority. Here was this man, didn't even have a robe of his own. Didn't even have a place to sleep except somebody else's house. And he'd walk up to Levi, an affluent, opulent man who had a business that, that grossed him thousands in our day. And he walked up to him and said, follow me. And Levi just got up, didn't even close his ledger book, didn't close the cash register, didn't even lock up. He just followed him because there was this commanding authority that was in Jesus. Now listen to me carefully. I'm getting right down where we ought to be this morning. When you, when you have this approval of God and you do that which pleases Him and you live your life to please Him, all of a sudden one day, not all of a sudden, but, but, but in, a, in, the, in the process of time, God gives you that authority that just commands. And you can say what you want to say. That's the truth. I know some. When they speak, I don't have to run somewhere and get it verified. I just know it's right. Now, I'm going to say three things to sum it all up, and I've got two minutes to do it. It's 12 to 12. On my watch, and that's one we go by, and I'll take two minutes to do this. Two, three things to sum it up. God needs us. Listen to me carefully, folks. God needs us in some strange way. God needs our praise. Now if I understand God, I understand Him to be full and complete. So how could He need anything from us? I don't know. But I know that God needs our acceptance. He needs our praise. You know what I'm called in the New Testament? I'm called Christ's inheritance. That means that what Christ gets out of all that he's done is me. He needs me. Hallelujah, he does. Second, the smile from the balcony. Are you listening? That smile from the balcony is the only thing that really matters. Kids, that smile from the balcony is the only thing that really counts. Now, I'm not old, but I've, I can see the end of the road from where I stand. I can. I can see the end of the road from where I stand. And looking toward the end of the road from my vantage point, I can tell you that the only thing that really matters in this life is His approval. It's His smile. Now, I can be accepted by you, and that's important to me. And when I stand, I've had dreams. I have. This is true. I've had dreams that I, you know, people come, just big crowds like this for the song service. When I get up to preach, everybody leaves. <laughs> now, that'll, that'll wake you up in a hurry. Your approval and acceptance is important to me. But let me tell you, from where I stand, I believe this. College students, believe me. Where I stand, I believe that the only thing in life that matters in this life and in the one that follows it is His smile. Is to have Him say, you did a good job, son. I'm proud of you. Third, we are to be channels of His approval for others. Ronnie uh, Latham 
out there at Tuya was a very successful coach, a tremendous coach. As a teacher there, he, he knows back then we'd have meetings at middle school and we'd have devotions there at middle school in Tuya. And uh, one day I'd finished this devotional and I stepped off the stage. I'll never forget this. It haunts me to today. I stepped down off the stage and a little girl came up to me, a middle school kid. And she said this. She said, Brother Gerald, I don't have any friends. I'll never get over it. I don't have any friends. And I looked around and I thought to myself, where are all the Baptist kids? I mean, where are all the Christians? Here's a little girl that didn't have any friends. Where are the Christians that pack into our fellowship hall when we have a fellowship? And I thought about all the people that need the Lord. And every time we sing that song, it just chokes me up. How many folks just like her just need somebody to accept them and to love them? Have you ever noticed this? That the minute you reach out to some unreached, the moment you reach out to somebody like that, it doesn't take that long until they're a Christian. Because you just kind of become a conduit and that love of God just flows through you to them. Let me tell you something. If I live out my life and I've become, I am a channel for God's acceptance to somebody else. I've made it. I've got it made. Now, what are you doing today that gets a smile from the balcony? Everything in the gospel to me is yes, but there is a negative, and that is that when you're not doing when you're seeking to satisfy and express a God-given desire in a God-forbidden way, you're not getting His approval. You can kid yourself all day long. You're not getting His approval. What are you doing to get the, the smile from the balcony? That's all that matters. Would you bow with me? Father, I pray that each one of us today will just do that which you could bless and honor so that we could please you. This I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Now I want you to look here, would you? What I want you to do this morning, what I ask you to do at the end of this sermon is this. Just find out what God wants you to do and do it. Whatever your response is tomorrow, this morning, it may be to walk out of here mad as you can be at the preacher. If that's God, what God wants you to do, that's His response for you, that's fine. But if His response for you is to come and place your life in the church, college students, brand new here in town, if He wants you to come this morning and commit your life in some area that's uncommitted to Him, that's what I want you to do today. It's just that which pleases God. When we do that, we've made it. we got it made. We got it made. So my plea is for you to find out in your own heart what God wants you to do and then have the courage to do it while we stand to sing.